It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Looking to give back this holiday season? Donate to the Army Historical Foundation. For 40 years, the Army Historical Foundation has ensured our nation never forgets the sacrifices of those who serve. As the Army's nonprofit partner, the foundation constructed the National Museum of the United States Army. The foundation's work also extends beyond the museum's walls, restoring artifacts, touring historic battlefields, and remembering all we owe to America's Army veterans. Donate today at armyhistory.org. The best and the worst on the box. It's the Custard TV podcast. So one of my favourite ITV crime dramas, Scott and Bailey, is back for a brand new series. The three episodes centres on one story and sees Rachel Bailey return to Manchester to work with her old colleagues after leaving to go to London. I got a chance to speak to writer Lee Warburton, whose background was in acting, and uh, then he storylined and wrote a lot of the episodes in series 4 and is back in complete control of the scripts for series 5. We spoke about recreating Sally Wainwright's original characters and his work with legends of the business like Russell T Davis and Paul Abbott. Enjoy. How difficult was it for somebody like yourself to come on board and take those characters? Sally Wainwright has such a rhythm to her dialogue and such humour in there. It must have been quite difficult to make sure that the audience didn't feel like, hang on, these these people are speaking differently than they did before. Well, as we all know, um, she's amazing. And one of her greatest talents is her way she captures rhythms and words and so I, I don't know whether I actually have done or not. You know, you do your best. I think, you know, last year I worked on the series, storylining it, and wrote a couple of episodes. And yeah. luckily, Amelia Bullmore was uh, showrunning that series. And so I was in the room with her at all times. And, you know, that was amazing. So I, I had Amelia's voice and her ear for the series and the characters by my side. So, um, so, so, so that meant, you know, she, she would pick you up. But uh, after that, for this series, I mean, you know, all I can trust is that, you know, I, I know the area, I know the people, I'm from where it's set, and you just trust that, that you, you've, you've found an ear, but, you know, you can only write what's in your head, you know, so as much as you're trying to uh, emulate um, the amazing things that Sally does, you, you, you can only just trust yourself, I think. Because there is a danger that you'll just end up sort of copycatting as well, and you're not original, I suppose. Yeah. If you, if you try and look too much to what Sally would have done. 
Yeah, because also Sally is constantly developing. You know, all her series uh, you can see are written by the same writer, but they have a very different voice. And I think she's constantly moving forward and developing. And you don't know where she would have taken the characters. I can't imagine she would have kept them in the same place. So, no. you know, and characters develop and grow. And um, and as, as far as your background in acting as well, does that make it... Uh, do you think you're better at writing with an actor's perspective, in a way? Do you, do you write thinking the actors will do this and they'll say it like this? Or do you write it and let somebody else handle how it turns out on screen? Well, I, I speak every single word out loud several times, you know, when I'm writing it. I, I write it, then I speak it out loud a couple of times. First of all, to make sure it's sayable. I know and there's the amount of times that, as an actor, that I would look at something and I could see how beautiful it looks on the page, but, I, you know, you couldn't get your mouth around it. You couldn't, you couldn't say it with, or with an intention. You know, if you were angry and you had to say this very complex line, it's very difficult to get your mouth around it and... And so uh, I, I, I do think that helps. But also, I think what also helps it, having been an actor, is when you approach characters, going back to, you know, Sally's amazing characters, is that you, you, when you act a part, you can only act your version. You can only, I only know what's going on in my head. I can only act my version of any yeah. character. And every other actor would act it in a different way. And so when I'm approaching these characters, rather than being intimidated by the facts what's gone before has been so amazing. I just have to think what part of the, that character is within me. And I think that's what the acting helps me do. You saying you speak it out makes a lot of sense because there's a lot of bits in Scott and Bailey that I've always liked and you've carried it on this year, which is things like when they're in the toilet and uh, she doesn't like uh, Leslie's new sort of confident person. I yeah. forget the character's name, actually, but she says, you're like her. You won't like her at first, because I said you're like her, but you're like her. <laughs> yeah. And that is a piece of dialogue that is very naturalistic that I don't think you'd hear in a lot of ordinary crime drama, really. But it's the, it's the banter between the two of them, isn't it, that you've got to balance out. You, you're absolutely right. And you, I think when you're doing that, because those actors do that brilliantly, and like I said, I see them talking about the new character, Anna, is what you have to do is, is with, with dialogue like that is you just have to go for it in your head. You know, you just you're just riffing. You know, and and suddenly you catch upon a rhythm and you go, oh no, that sounds nice. And you say it a few more times yeah. and then you commit it to paper. So good. I'm glad. I'm glad that at least that's working a bit. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's it's a tricky one, isn't it? It's a tricky one. But She's so good. She's so good. She's okay. You'll get to like her. Well, no, you'll hate her for a bit because I've said you'll like her, and then you'll get to like her. I always smile a bit because the, the Scott and Bailey, anyone who's ever paid proper attention, the best scenes are often in the toilet. Yeah. And I love that, you, I love that you've <laughs> taken them back to the toilet again. There's a, there's a great emphasis on washing hands and toilet paper. It's the cleanest show on television, I think. Absolutely, and there's nothing wrong with that, Luke. Come on, you've got supporters. You know, a clean place is a happy place, you know. You know, they're always washing their hands. They're always using hand lotion. I appreciate yeah. that. I, I think it's great because it's the only place where they wouldn't seem completely, uh, you know, wrong to be to be discussing their private life. With all, all these bodies piling up around them, for them to be discussing their private life might seem a little bit lack. So when they go to the toilet, at least they can speak out loud, you know. Do you know what I hate about up here? Serial killers. No. If you're not wearing a 200 quid shit blue suit, then you're not dressed right. Mm. No, not yours. Yours is nice. Mm, and it only cost 180. Though I was looking at a lovely beige one for the wedding. I don't fancy a wedding dress. You can't dance at the disco. Me and Chris are thinking of getting matching bride and groom suits. Are you still with him? No, we broke up in June. 
Yeah, I thought so. You texted me. Oh, you got it, did you? You never texted back. Oh, didn't I? Mm. Shit. Sorry, are you all right? Yeah. Now, we had a lovely time. It was nice, and then we'd done that, and I got fed up of nice. Nice isn't knicker-ripping, is it? <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> the previous series, to me, felt very final. I mean, yes. I wanted... As a fan, I wanted more, but I would have been quite happy to leave it there if that's where it was going. So, when did the idea of a fifth series come about, and how did you get involved in that? So, yeah, I agree. And actually, when we were storylining the last series and working on that, uh, Amelia leaving felt like a full stop as well. It felt, you know, Jill going and them sort of finding peace felt like a full, uh, a bit of a full stop. Uh, but, you know, the fans wanted more, and uh, the, the, the characters felt like they had a lot more weight. Um, mm -hmm. And... Uh, you know, places to go, not wait, places to go. It felt like they, uh, we we put them in a position where they both seemed, you're right, they both seemed all right, but it seemed a little bit too easy that they were both just nice and settled. So I think it was just about, you know, finding a bit more story in in, in, in their forward journey, what we could do next. And I think ITV wanted it, uh, Red were happy to do it, and uh, Saran and Leslie were really wanted to, to make more of it. So, yeah, uh, I think... We got together last February to talk about it, and we t talked about what that might be as a real finale, you know, as the end end, mm. you know, not really much coming back from the end end, the end of a love affair maybe, is how we, we wanted to work on it. Do you think if you weren't um, a fan of Scott and Bailey and you wanted to, you know, see what all the fuss was about, this series would be a good point, or do you think it would be better to go back and, I don't know, watch it on ITV Encore every week, every night <laughs> at well, 10 o'clock. As a very unbiased member of the writing community, <laughs> no vested interest in Red Cross no. TV. No, uh, you can just speak it like it is. Start watching it from the very beginning. Okay. Uh, watch all of them several times by the box sets. And maybe if there's t-shirts available, you should do those. Uh, yeah, I'll, we'll sort them out. I think it's a self-contained series. I think mm. you could land in this and watch it. Um, and not have, not n need to know the backstory or their histories in order to you know get a full story because unusually this is a very different type of series in that it's one story across three episodes. Um, it's a very different feel for Scott and Bailey. But but um, but, but equally, I I, I think uh, it, it will. I be think you'll get more out of it, won't you, if you know the yeah the backstory. It, it's there. Such a different version of the show. This one, it's so different. And, you know, it's, it's got a very different feel. You can only arrive at this point, I think, understanding why they're where they are, by understanding the, the, what went before, because what went before was amazing. They don't exactly come back together and it's all, you know, off we go, a team. Saran's character is, is very distant when she returns from London. Um, and I always like it when they're best pals and they're chatting together, so there's a real distance between them and... How difficult is that when you want to start, you know, building that dialogue, but you've got Rachel being really on the defence, and there's a lot of things going on in their life. The last series, things have happened between this series and the last series that you can't ignore. Yeah, it, it is so difficult, Luke. It's really difficult. Because like what we were saying before, what you want to do is you want to do 
what old Scott and Bailey would. That's what you love. You love it when they're in that position. But you can't just keep repeating. You can't just keep repeating no. what you did. There is no point. When you were saying, you know, uh, it could have ended last series, why come back? Well, the only reason to come back is if we want to explore different tensions in the life. And I think, in, in my head, really, yeah, I, I want to bring them back together. I want that friendship. I want to see all that. Um, but maybe there's something for an audience to understand of that difficulty when two friends are slightly out of step. And it's not that they're arguing mm-hmm. in this series. It's not that they're at each other's throats. Um, they're just a bit distant, really, aren't they? They've, they've missed they've, out on bits of each other's lives that they yeah, can't... I think that's very true, that you, you have so much expectation when you've been away from very close friends. And sometimes you get back together and anything one of you says, the other one doesn't know what the intention of that is. Hopefully, by the end of the series, we get to that friendship and that understanding. Mm. If you leave somewhere, you imagine that place goes on pause... And you yeah. come back and you can just press play. But actually, most of these characters had a lot going on in her life and Saran's characters had a lot going And so they meet in the middle and they're not quite the same people they were when they left. No, and and so it, it's such a dangerous game to play. And, uh, you know, as a writer with that and, and for the show, because we know what the audience love. But hopefully our audience will recognise the sadness or the discomfort of that with their own friends. But it wouldn't be like that unless they actually cared about each other. It wouldn't be that that sense of out of step unless unless we knew that they loved each other. I love Dodson. I used to love Jill's banter with Dodson. You know, I I couldn't wait to get my hands on that. And I, I wrote some sort of Janet Rachel banter with Dodson. You know, that sort of foul mouthed, yeah. funny funny stuff. And we talked about it and we said, well, it, that, that's not who she'd be with them. That's no. She's been with Jill for a very long time. Jill was a, a good. She doesn't friend. have that same rapport, would she? They're a lot younger, and they don't have the history. And there's a rank difference, and she's in a different position, and they didn't grow up together. You know, in the force, they've been mates together in the force. So as much as you, I want to go, no, I want to write those Dodson moments. You can't yeah. because it's changed, and you have to acknowledge change constantly within the series. So that's that's the, the difficult thing for me because it's not my series. And if Sally had moved those characters forward. You know, she'd be completely confident about how those changes would happen. But for me, I'm, I'm a little bit like, I'm making those changes and, I'm, uh, uh, you know, and it's not mine. I do wonder whether she was a bit miffed at Amelia Bullmore leaving Scott and Bailey because she didn't half kill her quite brutally in uh, Happy <laughs> Valley quite quickly as well. I think it was some sort of sneaky transfer deal she did. <laughs> <laughs> I think she'd go around playing fantasy football leagues with, with her cast. It would have been so easy just to replace Jill with a similar person, wouldn't it? A, for them to rub yeah. up against. Yeah, and I just couldn't do that. That, that for me, was completely wrong. It would have been an echo or a shadow, because that either would have tried to do something completely different and had, you know, the loveliest, warm, warmest bloke come in. Or yeah. I would have created, you know, the new big bad, and, or, you know, and, I, and then I would have looked like I was aping something. So I, I think what I wanted to do was do that thing that, I mean, Joss Whedon always talks about it in Buffy, is that you always put the characters and the audience in the same position. If my audience are going to miss Amelia and Jill in the show, then I want my characters to miss Amelia and, and you know, and Jill. I want the audience and the, char- and the characters to be in the same position. So some, in some soaps, they always say, once you've got rid of someone, you never mention them ever again. You know, But that's not the way life works, is it, no, either, really? No, and you, you miss so much story. And so I think, you know, she doesn't really get, a, she gets occasional mentions in the first ep, and then in the second ep, you know, something happens which causes them to reflect upon, you know, where they all are, something quite big. And um, 
and that takes place in Jill's office. And, and I think it's there that you, you feel the ghost of, of Jill's character and, and what they're missing. You quite rightly got a lot of praise for the final two episodes of the last series, which were one story. Yeah. And that's why I was so excited at the idea of three episodes of one story. Is that daunting or is that exciting? Three episodes of one story is much trickier than I could have ever imagined. <laughs> oh my goodness. Because I'm quite inexperienced, Lou. You know, my I, I'm still quite new as a writer. And this is a huge gig for me. Um, yeah. And, and so I, I can only guess in my head, you know, you know, what it will be like, what it will feel like. But it was much more complex. We've got a mother and son with a website wanting to talk to you. First nutters of the day. They're on a video link from Australia. He's seen this website. He's too scared to show it to me. It was on the dark net. He's, he's not going to get into trouble for looking at it, is he? It's not illegal to access the dark net. So what did you see, Morris? I was messing a couple of weeks ago. I ended up at this page with a password, so I thought I'd see if I could hack into it. It had this map of back home on it. And all these sick pictures and videos. Dead bodies and stuff. We're going to need the password. I didn't know he was doing any of it. One of his mates WhatsApped him this morning because of a murder that happened near his old school. I saw him on the website. Michael Edgerton? Yeah, his murder was posted a couple of hours ago. I watched him bleed to death. What was the website called? Taking out the trash. Charming. We'll have to ring special branch to even use the password. Some 14-year-old on the other side of the world can access it, but we have to ask if we're allowed. No, we don't. I've got permissions already. I did the course of my secondment. Got the software in here. You couldn't wire a plug 12 months ago. When we said, let's go for one story across three episodes, I was like, brilliant, perfect. And then suddenly, you have to carry everything forward. And it's, 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 it, was, it was quite daunting, actually. It was very exciting at the beginning, and then hugely scary halfway through whilst I was writing it. So the perpetrator draws... A chalk star at the murder scene. This one, you would mistake for graffiti. That's if you even noticed it at all. These chalk stars appear at all of our crime scenes. It's just that we hadn't spotted them previously. They also appear at all of our victims' home addresses. This one being Michael Edgerton's. There's a discussion page on the website, which is encrypted. I've got people over at SCAS going through it, trying to get us some more information. How many people are on the discussion page? We're not sure. Is there any connection in our victims' profiles? Uh, none that we... Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Found. Michael Edgerton, no previous offences. Richard Hazelmere was a drug addict, but nothing else stands out about his life. There's a Mark Winston who was murdered at a neo-Nazi rally three years ago. Danielle Hallows, who was a member of a small-time girl gang, but nothing big. And the list goes on. The widespread of age, race, sex, occupation. How many murders are we talking? Ten so far that we've ID'd. Maybe eleven. I know. It's huge. 
There are two home addresses on the website that have no murders associated with them. And we have a star at an unidentified stretch of canal that we're treating as a potential crime scene. Well, that could mean there's an undiscovered body in that water. That would only explain one of the addresses. Which means that the other address could be a potential victim. Someone still alive who's been targeted. Someone that we can save. We're so inundated with crime drama at the moment. I mean, we've gotten them from all over the world. So how, how did you approach writing a crime story that is, you know, people aren't going to go, well, that's what they did on the killing, or that's what they did on the yeah. bridge, or I saw a silent witness episode like that, or New Tricks did something, or, you know, it could just... There you are, could find parallels with everything, couldn't you, if you the, looked hard enough? I yeah, think. there were some elements when we got close to filming where someone, as the production team came on and designers joined us, you know, and someone said, oh, that little bit was in a show I just watched the other day. And we were like, were well, they well, quickly well, fired? Yeah, I was, I was like, we used a men in black little tool to erase them, every, everyone's memory <laughs> thoughts of that thing. What, what can you do? You know, we're all subject to the same news and information and culture, so we all generate some ideas. But I think my approach to this was, uh, and, and my approach to anything that I do is... Uh, what what affects me and you know this i think this story is about technology and it's about you know us feeling daunted by the, the way in which the world moves faster than we can keep up with it and that and that's you know present in my everyday from everything when i'm trying to sort out my email uh to to you know any paranoia about phones being hacked you know and, and so so I, I wanted just to find something that would probably tap into something that people feel in their daily lives. I, th I think that, that's where I was starting off. With any whodunit or with any Scott and Bailey story, do you do that old thing that some people say they start at the end and work back? Or how, no. how do you approach no. it? For me, I, I, I tie the worst not impossible uh, possible for myself. And and then, I mean, before I actually start writing the script, I, work, I know what the ending is, of course. Mm. But, but when I start tying you know, tying the knot. I, I don't know the end um, in terms of when I'm structuring the story. I, I just, I try and find what I would find the most scary and the most confusing. This story was inspired a little bit about, by hearing about some characters called the smiley-faced killers in America. It was a little bit inspired by that, about a theory about um, people, a gang of people leaving marks at places um, that no one would notice to signify that they'd committed a murder, that no people, no one would connect. I think that was my sort of starting point for that. I thought it was really interesting. So you've got these really dark elements of it, but also, I presume for fans, and to lighten the show up a bit, you've got uh, Janet and Rachel's stories. They've got their own things going on, as they always do outside, so you've got... Uh, and Sally Lindsay, come on, how great is she? Oh, and Sally Lindsay popping up, who I always kind of forget about until she's back on screen and I go, of course! But uh, she's brilliant as well, she's, yeah, absolutely. magic fruits or whatever in a computer game that power you up. You know, you're like, <laughs> this is getting dark, this is getting really deep yeah. and murky, and then, you know, you shouldn't get And she pops up doing the ironing. Yeah. yeah. You're like, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about the difficulties of... Leslie's story with her daughter this time round, remembering that most people will have seen episode one, so we sort of know that her daughter is in hot water in a very peculiar situation in a way. 
I don't want to panic you, love, but Taze has been arrested. Indecent images of Taze's boyfriend, Sam, have been found on a phone, and a few of them have made their way into social media. What sort of images? No, don't. OK, OK, tell me. Explicit pictures of him naked and of his genitals. Of him aroused. Stop. That's awful. They're going out together. This is what kids do, don't they? He's only 15. She's only 16. They're in the same year at school. Because Taser is 16, the police have to be seen to be complying to government guidelines. So the case has been forwarded to safeguarding, and once they've taken a look at it, it could... It won't. But it could be sent to the Serious Sexual Offences Unit. This is mad. For possession and distribution of indecent images of a child under 18. Common sense is going to kick in. Safeguarding is going to take one look at this case and throw it out. It's a situation which I didn't, you know, invent. There, is, there are stories, plenty of stories out there of similar cases. Yeah, in fact, it was in the news this week, wasn't it? You were saying, you know, what percentage of teenagers under the age of 16 have been sexting and sending pictures of themselves out there. Mm. Um, and I think it's a new obstacle for everyone to, you know, to, to approach. I think it would seem in the story that common sense should prevail and that this is something easy to sort out and why are the police getting involved? But police have a very difficult job of deciding which cases to prosecute. And I think particularly when other police officers are involved in their families, they're under huge pressure as to whether to be seen to be doing the right thing or whether to dismiss a case, if that makes sense. The stories are intentionally sort of linked because um, they're about technology. We've got this extraordinary big crime case and that can seem like, and that makes the world look a very, it's very big for Scott and Bailey, that crime case. So I also wanted just to find a way of bringing that same idea into people's personal lives. And throughout all three episodes, you'll find things like phones and computers creating all sorts of, you know, parallel problems for our characters and solutions. Particularly my generation, because I'm, you know, mid-40s. But I'm just holding on to the tail of the tiger. You know, I'm just about keeping up with it. But, you know. You've just opened a MySpace account, I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've just bought chairs in Bebo. <laughs> okay, I'd like to see them skyrocket any minute. I'm sure yeah, they will. Just you watch. It's a place to watch. <laughs> Don't you worry. That, that, um, what was the other one called? Friends oh, Reunited. Yeah. Friends Reunited. Yeah, you may have missed the boat with that. I think everybody's. Have you heard about Friends Reunited, Luke? It's brilliant. It's amazing. Oh, yeah, I th- I've been re- reunited with loads of people I didn't want to talk to in the first place. <laughs> As far as when it goes from page to filming, how involved are you? Do you like to get at that stage? Because it's not my show. Because it's not it's not my voice. And we had you know Saran executing on it uh, this year as well. Uh, we've got an amazing team. We've got Saskia, who I have to say, you know, script editors never get, never get a shout out, but uh, she has you know been part of capturing the voice of this Saskia Abbott. She's been absolutely amazing. Of course, Nicola, who produces the best television in the land and uh, yeah. you have all those people operating there. So when I worked on Shameless, I was very much involved in production. But on this one, I, I took a slight step back during production. I did go down to set a few times. There were so many old hands with more experience of this show in control of this show that I, that, that I was very happy to step back on this. As soon as the show's over, people will be on social media be it Facebook, Twitter, saying Scott and Bailey was really good, or I didn't enjoy Scott and Bailey. I mean, that must be... It's different now, isn't it, as a writer, because people can give their opinion straight away, and they might even give it at the first ad break, with it being ITV. Is that daunting? Well, I don't know, Luke. I wasn't even thinking about it until you just mentioned it. 
Well, have a, have a ponder. Look, I might that question back. What will you be saying at the first ad break? Well, I, I saw it without ads, so I can't comment. <laughs> <laughs> I really, I have to say, it was, I just was so pleased to have it back. And it didn't feel like it had been away at all. There was that distance there between the characters, but it just felt like, yes, this is back. Right. And I was just interested in how the three three episodes were joined together. Yeah. And also so interested in their separate lives that were going on in parallel. So I think you've yeah. done a fantastic job, I have to well, say. Well, I mean, to answer your question, I'm not a big fan of social media. Um, as you'll see from the writing in the script, it's like, <laughs> it's like, it's like my personal war against technology, really. Um, yeah. I know what I kind of feel about it and things yeah. that I think worked and didn't work. And I've got, you know, peers around me who are very honest and great and you know the opportunity to work with this team was amazing and I've learned so much you know Red have been amazing with me and give me so many opportunities they could, you know they helped me write uh, write Banana last year which I loved and got to work with Russell uh, which was amazing so I have what an amazing, amazing opportunity yeah amazing amazing Luke. so I have those people around me who will more than happily tell me oh you missed you dropped the ball there maybe not do that next time but that little speech that little line that was nice you know I think those people will, will tell me because um, I think my head would explode if I tried to cope with what someone in Angola thought about Jill's dress you know that's the point I'm going to search that when it comes up Angola and dresses never thought to do it it'll make my search history look a bit weird but I'll just well, you know what keep... my constant fear is you know right in the show as you can imagine my search history looks incredibly weird yeah uh, yeah I'd go to, I wouldn't go to Curry's anytime soon <laughs> no exactly I started speaking to a police advisor a few weeks ago going, do you really look at search history because if you look at my you know I should be locked up by now yeah. the things I've had to search to research this show do you think the scope for more uh, after this? We wrote this as a as an ending. We really wrote this as an ending. I think the characters have tons of scope to come back and do more. But I think, in a way, I, I think they they need to be in Sally's hands now. I think I'd, I'd love to see Sally come back and take them further, and you know, maybe in a few years to find out where they're at. Well, we get we got Endeavour and we're getting uh, Tennyson about the the young Jane Tennyson. Perhaps we could have. The, the young Rachel Bailey. Or... Well, you know what? I, I would like to pitch right now Old Bailey, set in the future. Oh, yes. You like yes. that? Old Bailey. She's a. Uh, she, she Patricia happened... Routledge from Keeping Up Appearances. <laughs> Perfect, you see. You see. You see. Just we'll start right now, actually. I quite like Or Stephanie Cole from uh, Waiting for God. Or, yeah, or even or... Tracy Bennett playing a daughter. You know, which is nice. Yeah. Nice. I'd see, I think you could do something with that. The yeah. old Bailey. No, I like that. Yeah. Or, or damn it, Janet. Janet goes rogue. Oh, yeah. Got a Breaking Bad version with Janet. <laughs> going rogue. She's so fed, she's so fed up with yeah. the police treating her daughter that she's going to take revenge. I, I think that would work. You've got me really excited now. <laughs> HBO, I think. Yeah. What is next for you personally? Do you have anything else lined up? Um... So, I'm currently working on uh, my own stuff at the moment. Uh Scott and Bailey took up all of last year. I put time aside to write my own stuff at the moment, so I'm writing, some, I'm developing something with Red for ITV. But I'm quite enjoying just having the freedom to create my own characters. Really. What do you tend to sit down and watch? Because when you're doing Scott and Bailey all year and you're 
search history is that dark? Do yes. you look for other drama? Do you look for documentary? Where do you think UK TV is at the moment and what are you loving? So last year during during Earth Serial Killer Gate, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I am addicted to Buffy the Vampire Slayer and I always I, religiously uh, about three o'clock usually when I'm stuck uh, I go down and watch an episode, just a random episode, <laughs> and it always—it's—it's it's like going to consult the oracle. It's like, <laughs> what would Buffy do? Yeah, what would Buffy do? It's kind of like that. It is teetering on some religion, like you know, those people, you know, who put Jedi down. I do just go down and go, oh, what would Wedden do? You know, if I'm really stuck, I watch the first Avengers. But I also watched a lot of documentaries last year. Oh, on Netflix, so many great documentaries. Yeah. Going Clear was just brilliant. Oh, that was amazing. Um, you know, the one about Scientology. I struggle to watch uh, British drama when I'm writing something similar because I'm scared and I think I've nicked it. I, I spoke to Nicola a year or so ago and she said she watches every, every drama. And I just think, you know, there is some great drama, but how how do you watch every drama? I feel like I watch everything pretty much, but Nicholas for somebody Nicholas. in her position yeah. who loves TV so much to be able to watch every drama must be draining. I'd have she's omnipresent. That's why. What you don't realise is she she has that ability. When she she has an extraordinary mind, she can just consume information and you know use it. She's absolutely brilliant like that. Yeah. You know, oh, my other one, you know, uh, is uh, my old fogey, uh, you know, go tos are West Wing. Uh, oh right. I, I have moments of that uh, but recently I was doing a, a West Wing Thick of It ping pong game where I'd watch an episode of West Wing then an episode of Thick of It how do you feel about Veep have you ever seen the US I don't like it I don't, I, don't, I don't get it I don't I don't know why I don't like it I'm not going to criticise it in any way I can only assume it's my own prejudices in my head I don't know <laughs> the Thick of It I love Veep just doesn't sit doesn't just that's doesn't interesting penetrate. isn't it I will also admit and don't hate me to having watched uh uh, uh, the whole series, first half of Supergirl the other day. <laughs> well, I, I can either leave that in or I can edit it out. It's up to how it... <laughs> it just depends how I feel at the end. I'm a very serious television writer, as you can see. Yeah. I always remember, Paul Abbott always used to say, and he was brilliant, I learnt lots when I worked on Shameless with him, was if you've, if you've heard someone else say it before, then don't write it. For everything from Hi Honey, I'm Home, Unless you're taking a piss out. I mean, <laughs> I can't remember the last time I heard that. But you know what I mean? yeah. Or kind of, or you know, someone going. You walk in and someone goes, "So how was the funeral?" And you go, "Well, the person's dressed in black with a black tie." So unless they've been to the RTS Awards or the Oscars, an audience will know that they've been to a funeral without you saying it. And uh, he's always in the back of my head whenever I write a line. He's going, "Would you hear that anywhere else?" And if you would, don't write it. Did you because... see no no offense? And yeah. what did you think of Paul's take on? Absolutely brilliant. brilliant. I'd like to see the Battle of the Toilet scenes. Much more capable than me with technology. You could do a very nice mashup of the toilet scenes. Um, I think they would fit beautifully together. I think you could actually create your own little mini-series out of the last five series. Just Saran waiting outside while uh, they they use the toilet. Absolutely. Absolutely. I thought North was brilliant. Absolutely. Did you enjoy it? Very, 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 very well done series. Could have been so awkward with the down story. It's one of the most unique things <laughs> I've ever, I've ever seen. Yeah, yes. So, so, how do you think they got away with that? Why, how do you, why do you think? I, I well, not even got away with it. But I think just having Paul's name attached, 
you know what you're going to, you know what you're in for, and you know there's no malice behind it. Exactly. It's just a unique way of telling a story that we've never seen before, and it just kept my attention. I loved it. Yeah. By the end, you know. Exactly. And it gave a lot of actors with Downs good exposure. Yeah. I think he's he's brilliant at that. And I think, you know, he and Russell, uh, are, you know, we were friends. I think they're they're sort of leading lights in, in all of that, in diversity, in a way of storytelling. They really just go for it. And they go, we're just going to present the world as it is. And that's what they always say. They're not doing anything different. They're just, they're just presenting the world as it is, which most people don't. We have Jimmy McGovern, we have Paul Abbott, we have Sally Wainwright and Russell T. Davis. Yeah. As the cream of the crop. Yeah. I like to say, you know, they always will be in my mind, and to be able to work with them must have been extraordinary. I've only written on three things, and that's a Paul Abbott show, a Sally Wainwright show, and a Russell T Davies show. So that... I almost hate you for that, in a way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to exactly. begin that exposure is it's just incredible. I know where the bodies are buried. That's, all, that's the only thing. Yeah. Is I know their PIN numbers. I know the access to their emails. I think that's how I do it. <laughs> It's only downhill from here. So, make sure you watch Scott and Bailey, Wednesdays at 9 on ITV. Download this podcast from thecustardtv.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.